What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to or watching, as the case may be, Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me. My countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart, and we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about how to live as a Christian, and specifically how to live as a Christian in today's social political climate. And I've got a list of things that we can do with the relevant scripture, and I do want to turn your attention to the comment section I placed in the comment section. Uh... This is a sermon that was years ahead of the curve whenever Glenn Colley preached it six years ago. And I ain't going to lie to you. I would love to have Glenn Colley as a guest on the show to talk about this very topic and to talk about what he has seen from his position as a leader in the church from six years ago to today. Because he made some really good points in that sermon and he made some observations that I thought were ahead of its day. And then lo and behold, everything he said basically came true. Not that he's a prophet or can see into the future, but you ought to be able to look around and see and ascertain how things are going. That's, that's what prudence is anyway. So yeah, that's what we've got. And I'm so thankful for all of you that's tuned in. I will, uh, I will say, be sure to like subscribe and share If you're not subscribed, please do so. If you haven't hit the notification bell, please do so. And you might be thinking, Tony, you always bring that up. How come you do it? Because statistics have shown that even very, very large content creators that have millions of followers, only about 25 to 30% of their audience is actually subscribed. So yeah, let's bridge that gap. But make sure you're subscribed. Follow us on Facebook, Substack, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. YouTube is the main one. Christianity now streams, and also uh, Podbean. I need to make a. I need to make an overlay for Podbean. Every episode of Cogitations and Christianity Now is uploaded to Podbean, and you can listen to it. The app plays in the background. It's really amazing, and I will tell you this: uh, Substack free subscription. We'll never, we'll never charge you anything, and you will get all kinds of material. Uh, we do have a paid model, though, but uh, quite frankly, we just don't put a lot behind the paywall. Haven't put anything behind the paywall this year. But anyway, um, on Substack, I try every article that I write, I try to narrate it, like in an audio book form, but it's an article. Between, I mean, all, all of the articles, I think is less than a six-minute listen, and you can listen to them, and that app, plays in the background. So Substack is really amazing. Christianity Now Substack. Uh, Holly H., good morning to you. Diana Harden, salutations. That reminds me of um, Charlotte's Web, and and Charlotte wrote salutations because hello wasn't quite as interesting. So salutations, Diana. All right, now. Uh, Check that video out by Glenn Colley. It's from the Forest Hill Church of Christ, and it's one of the, I can't remember what years, Memphis School of Preaching Lectureship. 
But anyway, I think I've got all that taken care of, all of the all of the stuff. Let me put this caption on the on the on the screen. Uh, follow us on Twitter, which it's X, formerly known as Twitter, and that's one chronicles one two three two. Hello, Sherry Hitman's good to see you. Now let me get over here to my notes, and I've got listen. They, these notes aren't organized. Uh, bear with me. All right, here we go. In an era where subjective morality and personal truth often overshadow objective standards, it becomes increasingly vital for believers to firmly ground themselves in the faith once delivered. Western culture, modern Western culture, with its rapid sociopolitical shifts, presents unique challenges for those living or, or those striving to live according to God's immutable standards. This podcast, we're going to try to delve into some key aspects of maintaining faithfulness during these times. Now, I need to define Overton Window. And I've got a file open here that's like a mile long with all my stream of consciousness. I should have organized it better before the live stream. All right. Um, the Overton Window. Where are... Right here. Here's my notes on the Overton window. The Overton window, it's a political theory. It's used to describe the range of ideas tolerated in public discourse. It was named after Joseph, Joseph P. Overton, who developed the concept. The window encompasses a spectrum of policies and viewpoints that are considered politically acceptable at a particular time by the general public. Ideas within the Overton window are seen as reasonable or mainstream while those outside it are considered radical or unthinkable. So think about the extreme left and the extreme right and where they can agree, where society agrees, that's the Overton window of acceptable discourse or acceptable public discourse. So this Overton window, it can shift over time, and that's what Glenn Colley's sermon was about, This, or that's, that's a point he made in his sermon. He spoke, I don't know, five or six minutes during the sermon about the shifting middle. Folks, we got to be, we got to conserve God's immutable standard, and we do not need to allow the middle to shift in our churches, and we don't need to allow the middle to shift in our lives. But politically, the Overton, and I'm not talking about politics as like who you vote for. I'm talking about polis, the city, the culture, the society, the society, the Overton window societally can shift over time, reflecting changes in these societal norms, uh, values, and beliefs. And here's an illustration, okay? There, there's two illustrations of how the Overton window has shifted that I think would resonate with this crowd that's here today. Uh, oh, hello, Robert Leedy. good to see you, man. Glad you're here. All right. Attitudes towards same-sex marriage. All right, now think about it. This is 2024. Go back to 2008. And in the United States of America, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton both were against gay marriage. In 2024, it would be unthinkable for somebody to come out publicly on the social political stage not religious, but the but this is politics now, um, and and for a politician to say I'm against gay marriage, he he would be he would be committing political suicide. But in 2008, 
Barack Obama ran on preserving the view of marriage that's in God's word. Anyway, so here's my notes. The, the idea of same-sex marriage, it was outside the Overton window. It was seen as radical or even an unthinkable concept. However, over time, through advocacy, societal changes, legal rulings, the idea of same-sex marriage has moved well within the Overton window in many countries and is now widely regarded as a matter of equality and human rights with legal recognition in numerous nations. And then, of course, you know, you got the United States that codified same-sex marriage. You would have never thought that. We went from what people do in the privacy of their own home is none of your business to if you don't honor my same-sex marriage and give me the same rights as everybody else as far as marriage goes, then you're a bigot, sexist, homophobe, homophobe, and you will be ejected from polite society because the idea of standing against same-sex marriage is now outside of the Overton window of acceptable, tolerated discourse. Let's talk about environmental awareness and climate change. Initially, concerns about environmental conservation and climate change were often sidelined or considered exaggerated by mainstream discourse. And then, again, you have back in the early 2000s, uh, well, now I can't think of his name. It was the vice president to Barack Obama. No, it wasn't the vice president. The vice president to Bill Clinton. Oh, come on. Some of you in the comment section help me. Al Gore, thank you. David Stafford, I couldn't have said that name for a $100 bill. So you've got Al Gore making his documentary talking about how in a decade or so there will be no polar bears. So, I mean, okay. Uh, Today, environmental sustainability and acknowledgement of climate change are firmly within the Overton window to the point where even staunch right-wing political conservatives in the United States are saying, listen, climate change is absolutely true. We just, humans don't have a way to mitigate it. So it went from, look, the earth has always fluctuated. Even if you're an atheist and you think the earth is multiplied billions of years old, these scientists in the past were like, you dummies, the earth has always fluctuated. I remember the 1980s, the University of Tennessee at Martin held a, would it be called a symposium? Anyway, they held a, they held a council where they were educating people, educating farmers how to, do, how to grow row crops, soybeans, corn, stuff like that, in Tennessee. And, and look at, for those of you that are listening outside of the United States and Canada, and you're not sure where Tennessee is, go look at the map. Yeah, the ozone layer. Um, hello, Sword and Pearls. Go so good to see you. Glad you're here with us. Um, so the University of Tennessee at Martin were, was trying to educate in the 80s farmers on how to grow corn and soybeans and other row crops in a climate that at the time was more like South Georgia and Florida. Now, why is that? Let me tell you why they said They didn't say it was global warming. They didn't say it was, quote-unquote, climate change. They said it was because as the earth uh, goes around the sun, the earth is tilted on its axis, and the earth has a wobble 
on its axis that you can mathematically predict because it's consistent. And so you have the hot spot that always fluctuates over the course of years. And they were saying in the next 50 years, it's going to get hotter in Tennessee. So you need to learn how to grow soybeans and corn in hot weather. Nobody's talking about that anymore because it's outside the Overton window. If you bring something like that up, you're a, you're a kook. You're a climate denier. Whenever I was in Toronto, I had one of the members of the church. Uh, he asked me, he said, how come you Republicans don't believe in climate change? And I'm like, who told you that? We believe the climate change. The climate has always been in flux, folks, ever since the, the events that transpired in Genesis chapter 6 happened. The climate has been in constant flux, okay? Why is that? Well, look at what all happened to the world. There's no wonder. I mean, it's, it's amazing that it's got to this level of normalcy and stability. But anyway, I just wanted to give you those two examples so we could illustrate the Overton window. Go back to 1985 and think about how people talked about the weather and the climate and conservation. Don't litter. Keep the, keep the rivers clean. Don't dump your sewage in the river. Uh, take care of quote unquote mother nature. Although I don't like, I mean, that's we don't anyway, but you understand what I mean. And now, now it's just so much more than that. So that's how the middle has shifted in that situation. All right. So how to be faithful, how to be a faithful Christian in this world. I have got. 10 suggestions. And if you're wondering why I've got 10, that's because 10 was pretty easy to come up with. And the top 10 list has been popularized. Um, all right. First off, cultural shifts and biblical consistency. It does not matter how the culture shifts. Scripture has always been the same. Oh, me, sword and pearl. Yeah, the same with pedophiles. The fringe discussion around them is that they have, they just have quote-unquote preferences and they're marginalized. And sword and pearl, that, that, that discussion started on the very, very radical far end and the Overton window has shifted to the point where if it keeps if, if culture keeps going the same way it's going, I think in another decade, for sure in another decade, pedophiles will be a protected class. I mean, after all, we've already let me let me hold on just a second. I'm probably gonna get I'm probably I'm looking up NAMBLA, so I'm gonna get a probably flagged by the FBI. But anyway, listen to this. This is, this is not, that since 1978, NAMBLA has been in existence. NAMBLA is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. And this is, this is not satire, folks. Okay, I, I, I wasn't paying much attention in 1978. I was only a year old. So I don't know, maybe it began as satire, but it's no longer satire, folks. 
So let's go read this first. NAMBLA gets many letters and emails from individuals who may misinterpret or who do not understand our goals. The following is meant to clarify this situation. So this is, this is okay. Our mission is to advocate for saner laws on intergenerational sexuality. They are advocating for saner laws on intergenerational sexuality. I don't even know what to say about that. Not to disobey unjust current ones. What? So So the laws against pedophilia are unjust? Advocacy may seem an impossible path to changing opinions that drive bad laws, but it is the best way to do so. We welcome all good intentions to participate in our work. We understand the need for community and the sharing of common feelings, but out of necessity, we communicate with individuals only for the purpose of our legally protected work. We do not put individuals in contact with each other for social purposes. In other words, it's not a hookup site. Those who wish to participate in our work will find great satisfaction in doing so. To find out more on how to get involved, please go to How can I participate? And it's a hyperlink. We do not ask for you to identify yourself so you can remain anonymous, you pedophile pervert. That's not what they say. That's what I said. You can remain anonymous. Mm. If you wish to participate but find none of the suggested ways to work for you, you are welcome to come up with other ways or ask for additional suggestions. You know what this reminds me of? Romans chapter 1. And and maybe some of you folks in the comments can help me out because I, I don't want to take the time to find this on the fly. But there's a verse in Romans chapter 1, in essence, where it talks about they came up with new ways to, to, to commit old sins. Like, in essence, it's they committed the oldest sins in the newest ways. So if you don't know if you if you don't know how to help the National Association of Man Boy or the North American Man Boy Love Association, if 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 they don't have good ways for you to help them, you can come up with good ways to help them, because freedom of speech is not restricted by age. We do not limit anyone's participation, whether young or old. So if my twelve-year-old son wanted to, ah. Uh, That said, any attempt to undermine our legitimacy in any way will result in abrupt cutting off of any further contact, no matter the stated age of the person communicating with us. For further clarification, it is highly recommended that you read the next six items in the drop-down menu, quote-unquote, about. And I mean, why NAMBLA matters? How can I participate? What is man-boy love? Let's see how they define it. To explain man-boy love today, one must first explain what it is not. It's not what you view on television or read in newspapers. It's not what you hear on Oprah or Geraldo, nor is it the propaganda put out by police and politicians. It's the love of a man for a boy or a boy for a man. Enjoyable, consensual, beautiful. Ah. 
I'm going to read the last paragraph on who we are. Good morning, Ted Knight. So, who we are is perhaps best understood by Dr. John Money's account of two boys who speak about how they view their adult lovers. So if you, so the word S-E-X has never been mentioned in all of this. But if you think this isn't about sex, you're naive. Andy, just as normal as anybody else, he's like a second father to me. This is a child talking about their adult lover. Bert, a child talking about his adult lover. He's neat and he's nice and gives me more respect than anyone ever has. Now, this this is chilling. He treats me like an adult, not like my parents treat me. To me, he's my best friend. 1978, folks, this would have been unheard of to be readily accepted in the public eye. And the Overton window is shifting. The middle is shifting. And now this is, now they can speak openly about this. Incidentally, that John, Dr. John Money, he's the pervert that come up with this gender theory. Now, do you think that the trans agenda is not a grooming, a sexual grooming agenda for children? Easily manipulated children. You got that right. Good morning, Connie Barton. Good to see you. Yeah, sword and pearl, just six, just just six, just sick. And um, let me get some comments here that I missed. <laughs> John X, and I'm still discussing with folks who think that angels can reproduce with humans. Yeah, that's rough. I saw that. I, that I, that's that's the craziest thing in the world. The argumentation. Listen, you can absolutely believe if you want to that angels reproduce with humans. There's no problem with that. But the arguments on that thread are, well, it says giants, so it must be giants. I'm like, yeah. But even the English word has a nuanced meaning. It doesn't always mean physical. Anyway, all right. What happened to protecting younger generations? Well, the perverts took over. That's what happened. And Brandon Wilde, so gross. So, and it is. Uh, David James Stafford, what is beautiful? Come on. There it is. What is beautiful to mankind is abominable to God. Man misses God's perspective or rejects it. Now think about this, too. Even, even just the definition of naked. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. I'm gonna, I don't want to be too crass here, but Adam and Eve covered up their genitalia with fig leaves. They still felt shame when God came to the garden he still identified them as naked and made clothes to cover their nakedness. So man's definition of naked in the garden was different than God's definition of naked. We always need to define terms by God's standard and God's definition. Um, that's because it's so pushed down our throats at every turn. You cannot watch a commercial without homosexuals in it. That's it. And uh, let me let me read this from Sherry Hickman. I registered ahead of time for my appointment with my surgeon this past Tuesday. 
They ask the usual question, questions, name, birth date, and I am now on the gender designation. Here are my choices. A, gender, choose not to disclose, demi-boy, demi-girl, female gender, uh, or female gender fluid, gender queer, male non-binary, other, transgender female, transgender male, two-spirit, unknown, unable to collect. That is amazing. Oh, wait a second. You've got more. Hold on. Oh, okay. I see what it did. It didn't list. Okay. Sherry, my, my restream program has some limitations. But yeah, I, I think I read enough of your comment to catch the absurdity. That's it. The sword and pearl. That's exactly the verse I was looking for. They were backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, and proud and boastful. They invented new ways of sinning, and they disobeyed their parents. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. That's a guillotine laugh, by the way. Um, so I think Sherry Hickman, incidentally, let me tell you about my son's journey to get a job up here in Canada. He's a quote unquote, cis white male heterosexual. He, 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 he put in application after application, never get a call back. And finally he started marking that he was, he, he, he preferred not to say on his gender. And he was, uh, part of a marginalized class. He got a call within 24 hours and got hired where he's currently working for, for UPS. That's anecdotal. I, I don't know, but he says that of all the people that were hired in with him, there were there. He was the only white boy. The Overton window is definitely shifting. I, I, I can't speak to the politics of the continent of Africa, but I think there are some nations in the continent of Africa that are going on a quote-unquote white genocide. Anyway, the Overton window is definitely shifting. I have not seen that yet. How crazy is our society getting? Well, that that's the issue. That Oops. Tearing the club up. All right. So, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. Now listen, if we're going to live a Christian life in this present world we have to have that fundamental understanding that the bible is consistent regardless of cultural shifts now you that that jesus christ is the same yesterday today and forever that that doesn't mean well we'll, we'll just say there's nuance associated with that but god's moral standard has never changed period our white farmers are brutally murdered. They're really cruel towards them. Sword and pearl, I, that's what I was thinking, but I, it, especially with, with you in the audience, I did not want to presume to speak on this because I, I'm not living this. I haven't done much research on it, and uh, I didn't want didn't to presume where I had no knowledge. 
One of the sad things about this is the silence of Christians. Oh, Ted Hook Knight, I'm going to get into that. I've got two articles written that are coming out about this. One is just about this little this 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 list about how to live, but the other is about the Overton window and how it's shifting. Um, one of the sad things about this is the silence of Christians in speaking out against these awful things. We must speak up regardless of the consequences. All right. Number one, you have to have this baseline of understanding. The Bible is consistent. It's a 2000 year old book and it is timeless. Number two, we have to understand the objective moral standard. I wrote an article about ancient wisdom in, in a, or modern wisdom in ancient times or whatever. It's from Paul's Mars Hill Discourse. But when you go to Acts chapter um, Acts chapter 17, sorry, I can't flip and talk at the same time anymore, evidently. Um, check this out. Acts chapter 17. All right, for as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I saw one with this inscription, to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. So God, that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life, breath, and all things. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. So God created us, God provides for us physically, and God provides for us metaphysically, spiritually. Because, and that's what chapter chapter 17, 28 begins with the word for, that's a Greek word, gar, like an old gar fish or an alligator gar, but it, it means because of. It's a, it's a preposition of explanation. For in him, that's God, we live and move and have our being. God is the boundaries, and it's within those boundaries we live and move and have our existence. We exist within the boundaries of God. What is God but a moral, just being? So we live within the confines of God's morality and justice, whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, and whether or not we even acknowledge God's that very existence. There is a standard of morality. It doesn't matter what the Overton window does. It doesn't matter where the middle goes. Winfred Claiborne has a three-volume series on silence can be sinful on how, oh, how right he was. You got that right. So I think about Psalm 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have to let the light of God's morality and justice shine the path down which we walk. Why? Because it will never lead us astray because the Bible is God's word. It's unchanging and it is consistent regardless of culture. Understand that Truth is not, repeat, not subjective. Truth is objective. Let me give you, 
I am currently holding up a tape measure. This is a 12-foot tape measure. That doesn't matter. This is a tape measure, okay? When I hold it like this, it's a tape measure. When I hold it like this, it's a tape measure. So when you viewed from the bottom, when viewed from the top, it's a tape measure. When viewed from the front, it's a tape measure. When viewed from the back, it's a tape measure. When viewed from the opposite side, it's a tape measure. Reviewed, when viewed from this side, it's a tape measure. When you can't see it, it's still a tape measure. If you don't acknowledge that it exists, it's still a tape measure. If you hate tape measures, it's still a tape measure. If you hate blue, it's still a tape measure. I mean, it's a blue tape measure. So it's an object. Your feelings and your perspective. In fact, you may not ever use this as a tape measure. You may have a you, you may have this while you're walking down the street and somebody's running at you. So you throw them, throw it, and you whack them in the head. And you get to, and you get to, and you, and your life is saved because you threw this object and it's heavy enough to whack somebody in the head and run them off. It's still a tape measure, even though you used it for its unintended purpose. <laughs> yeah. Some would say it identifies as a tape dispenser. That brings me to the illustration. <laughs> Sherry Hickman, that's a perfect segue to my illustration. It is purported. I don't know if this is true. This could be apocryphal, like the story of George Washington cutting down the cherry tree. Um, it is purported that Abraham Lincoln to a group of law students asked, if you count a cow's tail as a leg, how many legs does a cow have? And they said five. And he said, wrong. A cow has four legs, regardless of what you call its tail. Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. God wor God's word has already settled the matter on marriage, worship, and anything. Sorry for the pause. I had to, I had to, I had to do the equivalent of locking into four-wheel drive my eyes. I had to look at you through the bottom part of my glasses. Anyway, uh, so truth is objective. It acts like an object, regardless of what we think, feel, or desire. Truth is truth. I think about what Sherry Hickman said about the gender deal. You know what I'd do if I went to the doctor? I would just mark all that out. I would say I have XY chromosomes. Well, you shouldn't say that, Sherry. You don't have XY chromosomes. You got XX. I, Tony Brewer, have XX chromosomes. And incidentally, even if you were part of the zero 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 point whatever people that have an extra, like an XYY or an XXY, if you put down your chromosomal makeup, guess what? You're going to be telling the doctor everything you need to know without using gender words because evidently gender words are too hard for people today. So sanctify them, set them apart for a purpose through thy truth. <laughs> thy word is truth. John 17, 17. Incidentally, what is the best way to oppress a people? What did Adolf Hitler do? In World War One, he practiced propaganda. He was a he was a propaganda machine. 
He said, you tell a lie long enough, loud enough, and enough people repeat it, it becomes the truth. Folks, the way you oppress and subjugate a group of people is you lie to them. The way you set them free is you tell them the truth. Watching from Kenya. Thank you. Y'all, I'm, I'm greatly appreciative of the folks who tune in from the continent of Africa. I, y'all, there's a lot of people that watch this show. And incidentally, there's, there's a lot of people from the continent of Africa that listen to the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio uh, after the fact that are from the continent of Africa. I appreciate that. Anyway, all right. So, objective truth. Truth is objective. It's not subjective. Um, if you were born a female, you will die a female. If you were born a male, you will die a male, regardless of how much you change your body. If you take one female and a hundred males, if you take one trans male and a hundred males and put them on an island in a hundred years, you will have 101 male skeletons. If you take 100 females and one male and put them on an island, you might have some issues genetically, but in 100 years, you'll have a bunch of people. (laughs) All right. Connie Barden, they are, oh, I don't know. Is it, I don't know what time it is over there, Connie. They may be watching late night. All right, number next, number four. We have to live according to biblical principles despite societal, uh, uh, (laughs) y'all ever seen somebody buffer? I just buffered. (laughs) Hold on. We have to live in accordance with with God's Commandments, precepts, and divine examples, regardless of societal pressure. And I'm going to scroll back up to Ted Knight's comment because it is it is more germane during this section than it was when he originally put it. Where is it? Right there. Come on. Right there. All right. One of the sad things about this silence, about this, is the silence of Christians in speaking out against awful things. We must speak up regardless of the consequences. Yep. You know what ha- you know what you run the risk of if you rock the boat? Falling into the water. Christian, you better learn to swim. Because you're called to be the light of the world. You're called to be salt of the earth. You know if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing but to be tossed out and trod under the foot of man. You can't serve God and mammon. The light of the body is the eye, and if your eye is evil, how, uh, your, the body's full of darkness, and how great the darkness thereof. No man can serve two masters, unless he cleave to the one and hate the other, or hate the one and cleave to the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve the God of heaven and the God of this world. So if you're going to speak the truth and you're always going to speak the truth and you're going to live according to the principles and commandments and examples found in the Bible, you're going to rock the boat. You better learn to swim. That's all I'm going to say about that, except 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be you holy 
in all manner of conversation. And that's not your conversations that you talk. That's your life. The King James, that's King James vernacular for how you live your life. You better be holy as God is holy. You got to be set apart from this world. We're in the world. We're not of the world. You know, I don't hear that very much anymore. I don't hear, y'all, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We don't need to be acting like the world. Quit dressing like the world. Quit talking like the world. Quit acting like the world. Be ye separate. Come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. You can find that in 2 Corinthians 6. Let's talk about the role of faith. Faith in God, folks, provides guidance and strength to withstand societal pressure and moral relativism. Ephesians 6, 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. What we are seeing in this Overton window shift and the shift in the, in the discourse about LGBTQ and trans and hedonism and stuff like that, uh, the, 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 the moral degradation of Western culture that's, that's been founded on Judeo-Christian values, um, that is the machination of Satan and his angels. Listen, I, 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 every chance I get, I demystify the Bible. But if you strip from God's word all of the supernatural, you might as well be an atheist. The devil's working. Satan's angels are working. Now, it's behind the scene. They're not touching. In other words, they're not going to come at somebody like they they, they came at Job in the long ago. You better believe they're working. Satan walks around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You better be sober. You better be vigilant. Sherry Hickman, my loyalty is to God, not man. When I posted the nonsense about choosing a gender, an acquaintance said she felt that was ridiculing people who have a sexual orientation, a sexual oriented personal preference for whatever reason. I told her I was aware that my post sounded that way and I was not going to apologize for it. Amen. And Connie Barton says, Ted is so right. Too many preachers and Christians are afraid of offending someone. Speak the truth regardless of who it offends. They won't be able to stand before God and say, I didn't know about the truth. Amen. And that, you know, that may be why people get so offensive at the truth or offended at the truth is because when you inform people of the truth, they no longer have an excuse. That's rough. All right. So we need to take and we need to have our helmet of salvation, our shield of faith, our sword of the spirit. We need to have our shoe shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. We need to have our breastplate of righteousness and our girdle of truth. Folks, we have a suit. We have a we have a uniform. We have our armor. We have our marching orders. We need to go out into the world and be warriors. Got to fight. There is a balance between engaging with culture positively and maintaining fidelity to biblical teaching. Let me tell you what I'm thinking of when I think about this. Jesus was ridiculed because he ate with the with the with the publicans and the sinners. 
Jesus did not go and eat with the publicans and the sinners in order to put, put his stamp of approval on what they were doing. Eating with the publicans and the sinners is metaphor. I mean, it's literal. I mean, he actually ate with them, but broadly, it's, it's metaphor for Jesus was actually in the world. Uh, my wife was joking around uh, last night in Bible class about she's gone into stores here and we're folks we ain't been here very long about three years two and a half we've been here not very long she has gone into stores where the people have said oh you're tony's wife and the congregation laughed and like that's amazing how i said folks You've been commissioned by a king to take the gospel to everybody. Everybody you meet, you need to have some kind of little connection with. That it needs to be a memorable experience. Everybody I meet, they know I'm a Christian. They know I'm a member of the Riverview Church of Christ, and they know that I want them to come and see. 99.9% will not do it. But that 0.1%, if you scale that to where everybody is telling everybody that they meet, then that 0.1% makes for a pretty big crowd on Sunday morning. It's strange how the one who accused him were sinners themselves. Ain't that the truth? And we got an amen from Sword and Pearl. I don't know if she was amen in Connie Barden or amen in me, but either way, I, I concur. What's that saying? If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. We need to strengthen our backbone. Let me give you all a really good dad joke that that doubles as a preacher joke. You know, Daniel was sent to the lion's den. Do y'all know the reason the lions did not eat him? Well, there wasn't anything to him but backbone. (laughs) No, God closed the lion's mouth. I get it. But all right, We we need a big old backbone. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 2. Folks, we need to be different. We need to be different. We need to have that backbone. We don't need to be offensive with the truth, but as Connie Barden said earlier, we need to speak the truth regardless of who it offends. Connie Barnes says, good one. Thank you. Thank you. Number seven. We need to have some strategies for effectively telling people about Jesus. We need to educate people on how to tell people about Jesus. And let me tell you what I mean. Remember the Overton window shifting. Ted Knight has been a preacher longer than I've been alive. And I wonder how many times, let's say when he was 35 years old, and I hope Ted's still here, he can actually answer this. Um, when he was 35 years old, how often he, in, he encountered somebody who did not believe the Bible was the inspired word of God or did not believe that, God exists. In other words, they were professing atheists. Um, I will tell you this in my very, very short time of being 
a vocational minister, I have noticed an uptick in the amount of people that I talk to that do not believe the Bible is in the inspired word of God and do not believe that God exists. So while God's truth is objective, evangelism is objective, the gospel message doesn't change, there is a sense in which we need to have an Acts chapter 17 approach. We need to figure out how to make a case logically for the existence of God, and we need to be able to make a case for the reliability of the Bible without ever going to the Bible for authority. That doesn't mean that we sheathe the sword of the Spirit. Okay, because if, if, if you and I are fighting and I have a sword, if you don't think my sword is dangerous, that doesn't matter. I'm still going to hit you with it. So if, if, if you're an atheist, I'm still going to use the Bible. That's still a sword of the Spirit, and it still cuts, whether you believe it or not. So I'm not going to sheathe my sword. But I think we need to be educated more, more broadly in ways to be able to communicate with people who are professing atheists and do not believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. I think some people need to be educated about that too. Some preachers, you got that right. And we need to remember Isaiah 55, uh, 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which shall please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Absolutely. And Philip S. Carman had a comment that I wanted to get. Boom. I was listening to a sermon this morning. He said, keep the tension. Let the sword do what it needs to do. Cut to the heart of people. Yes. Why in the world, why in the world, when we're talking to an atheist, would we sheathe and not use the most powerful weapon that Christians have been given when it comes to slaying the devil. Anyway, I may have got overly poetic there. We're not called to slay the devil. Why would we sheathe the most powerful weapon we have in our arsenal when it comes to withstanding the wiles of the devil and when it comes to converting the sinner. All right. Verse 15 of chapter 3, 1 Peter. And I'm, I'm taking this verse out of its context. It's got a specific context. It's very deep and rich. But this is a this is the general context here. The general principle here is you need to be ready. You need to have that. I'm not saying you need to be formally educated. But you need to be in the word, and you, and you need to be aware of some of these things. Um, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So be ready. Be ready. Let's think about how social media offers some challenges. So social media offers some unique challenges to being a Christian, but it also offers some unique opportunities. Um, as I've told you, I, I believe. Now, 
this doesn't mean that I think Christians should get off of social media. I think if, if, if Christians are not so on social media, that's just seeding ground to the devil. I don't want to give up any ground to the devil. Devil's good enough at taking ground. The devil's good enough at taking ground. So don't seed any ground to him, but we need to be vocal on social media. We need to be spreading the word on social media. And for instance, I'm talking about people on the continent of Africa. I can't, I can't afford to fly to the continent of Africa to go preach. However, there are many people on the continent of Africa that listen to the truth of God's word by my mouth. And it don't cost a dime more than I'm paying now. In other words, it's, it's, and it's because of social media. Now, there, it does present some challenges because, buddy, let me tell you, you could really fall into the trap of being dissentious, contentious, uh, getting wrapped up in the affairs of this world. Think of first, second, second Peter two. In fact, let me read second Peter two. Social media can really take your focus off what we're supposed to be doing for Jesus. Second Peter, Second Timothy two. <coughs> Pardon me. All right. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life for the purpose, you know, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. It's possible we can get so caught up in these ancillary issues that we forget about being a good soldier and we displease the one who called us to be a soldier. So I think about Ephesians 4.29 when, when we're talking about social media in the digital age. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may serve grace unto the hearers. Ephesians 4.29. Folks, let me tell you, it's a good rule to follow on social media. I hadn't always followed it. Um, but in the last several years, I've done pretty good. Now, I can still be a prickly old porcupine. I'm like a, I'm not a shark on social media, but I am a puffer fish. Um, I think about the Fahaka puffer in the Nile River that lives alongside the Nile crocodiles. The Nile crocodiles don't eat them things. They puff up. The Fahaka puffers are are mean boy, but they don't mess with you and you, you don't mess with them. They won't, they won't mess with you. Uh, don't again, I, I'm not, I'm not, I can't control anybody else. And I'm not saying how you ought to do stuff. This is personally for me. I don't go argue on other people's timelines, but now if I put something out and you come argue on mine, I'll drop the hammer. And if you, if you prove yourself that, that you won't let it go, I will block you in a heartbeat. I just, I don't have time for it. I'm not going to get caught up in it. I, I can't waste time on dissenters. All right. And if you prove yourself to be somebody that is, you're gone. And I've blocked a bunch of people. And sadly, the, the, the main group of people that's on the top of my block list are gospel preachers. All right. The importance of Christian community. 
Folks, I remember long ago, whenever I was a child, I heard a sermon. You do what they did, you get what they got. That's grammatically incorrect, by the way. You do what they did, you can have what they had. In that sermon, the preacher that preached it said, for one of his points, you need to keep your nose in the book and your feet with the brethren. He said, that's right there in Acts 2. He said, did you know that's what it said in Acts 2? Keep your nose in the book and your feet with the brethren. And of course, you know, no, I didn't know it. I can't read that in my Bible. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. Folks, those Christians kept their nose in the apostles' doctrine. That's for us today. That's the nose in the book. And in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer, and they kept their feet with the brethren. We have to have a community. We have to have a community, a support group, uh, in place, a support network, rather. Uh, we need to encourage one another to remain faithful amidst these cultural shifts. And I think about not just Hebrews 10.25, you know, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. I'm really thinking about Proverbs 27.17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And you've heard me talk about healthy boundaries. That's it, Brandon Wild. Hold on. W-I-L-D-E. Wild. Uh, that's it, Brandon Wild. You gotta have a church body. You gotta have a you gotta have a group. Um, a lot of folks, well, they say, Well, Tony, where I am, there's no church. Are you a Christian? Well, yes, then you're the church. Go out and convert people. <laughs> Blows my mind. Well, I can't. I gotta have a preacher. You're the preacher. I don't know. Anyway. But it does help if there are people with you, like-minded people. It's easy to remain faithful. It's easier to be a Christian in today's society when you got a group of folks around you. Finally, lastly, but not leastly, there is reason to hope, reason to be encouraged. Jesus speaking to his disciples when they were, in my opinion, scared about the message that he preached in Matthew chapter 23, he's telling them about the destruction of Jerusalem and then also the end of the cosmos, Jesus' second coming. There's a verse there in Matthew 24, 13 that we're going to take a general principle from. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. You have climbed to the roof of the building. You have escaped the smoke and the fire. And you're in the location where salvation is coming. Remain there. Don't go back into the world. It doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what changes. It doesn't matter what shifts. You walk in the light as he is in the light. You'll have fellowship with God and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, will 
cleanse you and continually cleanse you from all sin. And while a lot of things could go wrong with that helicopter that's coming to pick you up, Jesus is sure he will come and get you. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, he said. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, then I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. And whither I go you know, and the way you know, and well, Lord, we don't know whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? I am the way, Jesus said. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Walk in the path of Jesus, my friends. Steadfast, immovable. Keep your eye on the prize. Practice the last few verses of Proverbs chapter 4. Turn not to the left. Turn not to the right. Keep your eyes straight on. Press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Count not yourself to have apprehended, but this one thing you do. Forget those things which are behind. Reach forward toward those things that are ahead and press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And you will be able. You are well able and well equipped to live as a faithful Christian in this present world. We all must be proclaimers of Christ, 2 Peter 2.9. That's it, Robert Leedy. Folks, I cannot linger today. I've got to get off here. I've got to go do, do run some errands in town. Listen. Robert Leedy, I knew what you meant. I converted it in my head, and I have no idea what I said. I may have said Second Peter, but I yeah First Peter two nine. We are uh, um, <laughs> I can't quote scripture. All right, First Peter two nine. I'm I'm all discombobulated. But ye are a chosen generation. I couldn't start it. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Robert, you're very peculiar. Did you know that? Anyway, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Thank you so much, Sword and Pearl. Thank Sword. Uh, we're peculiar, folks. We're different. That's a that's a that's a compliment. Why do we want to give that up? I don't want to be special just like everybody else. I want to be peculiar like Christians. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. God bless. Uh, we're going to have to have the ad read. Um, Uh-oh. Look, let me put the captions up. I want to turn your attention to Lindsay. LindsayFayDawson at gmail.com. Is your institution or congregation planning an event where you need social media graphics or flyers or postcards or anything like that, then contact Lindsay Faye Dotson. You can contact her on Facebook and leave a private message, or the preferred method is lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com. Contact her today. She does a good job. And if you trade with her, 
and 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 do business with her, you're supporting the show. Hey, hey, Alabama, that should be a T-shirt. Um, be we don't want to be special like everybody else. We want to be peculiar like Christians. That should be a T-shirt. Uh, some I, somebody help me with that. So some somebody needs to keep these little things down. Where when I finally get this print on demand drop ship website set up that I'm having trouble with, then we can actually sell merch. Um, but anyway, folks, God bless every one of you. Remember, uh, if you want to support us monetarily, there is a tip jar that we use. It's near churches at gmail.com. Uh, you can send us a one-time monetary donation. You can also do a $5 subscription on Substack. You can also do patreon.com. That links in the show notes. That's as little as a dollar a month. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Follow us. But most importantly, if you want to help us grow, word of mouth. Invite your friends. Share the live stream when you participate. And any video that you watch, just long press, copy the link, and put it in your social media. God bless every one of you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations, powered by Christianity Now. And we'll catch you on the flip side.